Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another Housing Matters Podcast. There's been a lot of stuff that's happened, and your favorite data nerds are back with everything you need to know about both the economy and the housing market. And we're going to get into what's going on with rates. Finally, some good news, at least temporarily on the rate front. We can talk about whether we think that will last and what next year looks like, but we can also just talk a little bit about the macro economy because it does seem like things may be slowing down a little bit, which may not be good from the broader economy standpoint. And I know we still got a really good GDP number, um, but it could be good through the lens of, of what it means for interest rates moving forward into the future. And then we can wrap up just with what's been happening in the housing market here in California and how we're absorbing all of these various competing factors out there. But I would be remiss if I didn't first introduce myself, Jordan Levine, Chief Economist at the California Association of Realtors. And with me is my partner in crime and good friend, our Deputy Chief Economist, Oscar Way. Hey, Oscar. Hey, Jordan. And hey, hello, everyone. Uh, it's been a while, uh, but uh, we're uh, very happy to be here to share some information with you, good or bad, about the economy and housing market. So let's talk about rates because we were up, actually, I think if you look at the daily stuff on Mortgage News Daily, we were actually up above 8% for a minute there back in late September, October timeframe. But over the last couple of weeks, we've had good news on the treasury market, right? Bond market has seen the 10-year in particular come down pretty sizably, and that has filtered through to 30-year fixed rate mortgages, which I think when I checked yesterday, they were 7.1 and some change. So about a 90 basis point reduction. That should be good news, right? I think that's great news. Of course, uh, it has a lot to do with uh, what's going on with inflation, about what's going on with the FOMC meeting that we'll talk a little bit more about uh, in a minute. Uh, but, you know, it's been trending down for maybe about three weeks now, you know, before Thanksgiving. Uh, I think it was it started trending down. And uh, in fact, I think it reached the uh, it has reached maybe the lowest point in the last nine or 10 weeks. Um, it's hard to yeah. say, of course, with the rates being still above 7% uh, that we're excited. Um, right. But you but said it earlier, you know, we moving have in the right direction. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's not just the rates. I think, you know, if you look at the 10 year bond and the two year bonds, it seems to be you know, telling us that things are actually moving in that direction as well. Yeah, I actually did a presentation up in Santa Clara earlier this week and Lawrence Yoon was there and he actually wow. predicted that rates had peaked and and the 10 year was telling us that pretty much we were at the end of the road for about as at a ceiling at least for where rates are of course you know it, it really all started after the September meeting right because ultimately the Fed did nothing in September they actually did nothing again in November, but what was really significant in the September one was that they were uh, much more pessimistic about 2024. And, and I think that was what initially sparked that surge up to 8%. The 10-year the Treasury in particular really did not like that September dot plot that we got out of the FOMC meeting. They didn't do a dot plot in November. Obviously, they only do it every other uh, meeting, I believe. And, and mm -hmm. so we should be 
teed up to get another one soon, but but he's already kind of signaling that they may be willing to at least end the rate hikes, even if not ready to pull the trigger on some cuts yet. But, you know, when you look at the the kind of core economic data that they're really looking at, particularly inflation and to a lesser extent consumer spending, it looks like it might be supportive potentially of, you know, rates coming down maybe sooner than than they had initially planned in September. Yeah, I mean, we have seen, you know, quite a few inflationary figures, you know, CPI, PCE, and things like that, uh, that we have, been, that's been showing that things are, uh, you know, slowing down. CPI, for example, has come down to, you know, closer to about 3%, 3.2% on a year-over-year -year basis. And then we're seeing, of course, gas prices. I think gas prices at one point a few weeks ago it was what's uh, close to five and a half or five dollar and fifty now it's come down to maybe about four dollars and twenty cents or so so there are a few things that show us that you know things are actually cooling off a little bit and you said earlier that you know um, uh, consumer spending for example right. uh, we have some really robust report you know in I think September and then it starts coming down in October um, we already know, and you talked about it. Uh, there's consumer debt, and people are, ex you know, are uh, yeah. their saving rate has come down. So it's not a surprise. Uh, we were actually a little surprised about the resiliency, uh, yeah. but it started coming down. Right, and and actually, it was a bit of a concern, honestly, because the income's not there to back up all this additional spending that we see happening and and the longer that goes on without you know firm support from actual money going into your bank account to support this spending it becomes increasingly problematic so i think the best case scenario is that consumers kind of stop and catch their breath we don't have a huge retrenchment no major drops in gdp but just maybe not the accelerated growth that we've seen up to this point, I can tell you the gas prices is certainly welcome news. I just got <laughs> from a, an outreach in at Cal State or Fresno State yesterday, and I was able to actually fill up for three ninety nine before I left. Wow, um, well, inflation is certainly easing, and and that's a good sign. I'm sure that you you must be really happy, you know, with uh, you driving a lot, you know, throughout the state. You have been using a lot of your uh, mileage on on your car, and obviously. You know, with uh, saving, I mean, not saving gas prices coming down uh, to a more sort of quote unquote reasonable level, uh, yeah. it just makes us feel a little bit better. Right. Not as pessimistic. And that probably is what's <laughs> showing up in in some of the consumer resiliency as well. Right. Like I think consumer confidence actually went up, even though spending went down a little bit. What should we expect for the holiday season? Do you think it's going to be robust or is it going to fall victim to some of this consumer cool down? Well, you know, the you're right. You know, the holiday season usually starts right around Thanksgiving or so, Black Friday or so. Right. I mean, just based on those numbers, it seems like, oh, people are still buying. But yeah. and it's still an increase compared to last year. But I think one thing to take into consideration is, of course, one thing uh, that people are not uh, uh, accounting for is the inflation. You know, Black right. Friday this year compared to last year, obviously some of the consumer spending uh, might have hyped up a little bit because of some of the increase in prices. But it's also somewhat uh, encouraging to see that even though we expect retail sales to slow down, um, we're still seeing signs that people are still buying. But I think it is very possible that you know, people are taking advantage of those promotions, those those discounts. After you know the initial couple of weeks, we probably will see some slowdown. 
Um, and you can kind of tell from, you know, some of the consumer confidence number, you know, the consumers, they're still a little confidence, you know, compared to maybe a, a month ago. Uh, but still, uh, it could be because of, you know, what's going on with interest rates, yeah. uh, what's going on with the stock market. Uh, but a bit cautiously optimistic, I want to say. Yeah, definitely. And and that's why I think, you know, even if we do kind of get a slowdown next year, it's not going to be a major slowdown. It's going to be more of a belt tightening and not a huge retrenchment. But, you know, businesses, I think, are are becoming less optimistic, less enthusiastic. When you look at the labor markets, I think the job openings numbers are starting to come down, which suggests that, you know, and, and yet we still continue to get net job growth, which just, again, kind of to me suggests that they're filling some of the positions, the old positions, quote unquote, <laughs> that have been open for a while, but not really teeing up a lot of new openings. And, and that could suggest that just slower growth in the labor market that will eventually probably translate into consumer spending and stuff like that. Uh, as well, but they're also just not making as much money, right? Yeah, I mean, of course, the 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 huge elephant in the room, of course, is inflation. Now that we know that businesses know that, oh, inflation seems like it's slowing down a little bit, even though they're not as optimistic, they also are not expecting, you know, huge recessions coming up in the upcoming year. There are still people believing that there is going to be recessions, and so I think that's you know when the slowdown in the the uh, labor market comes in, uh, and the fact that. They may not necessarily be spending as much as far as business spending. And you can tell that, you know, based on, you know, the corporate part of it, of course, the corporate, corporate, big corporations, uh, they're not as concerned. Small business owner may be a little bit more concerned than, you know, the big corporates. Right. Yeah. And, and they tend to be a bit of a leading indicator, right? It's like when the economy... Um, sneezes, the small business catches cold or or what have you. But, you know, you can see that they've been more consistently pessimistic, I think, compared to the bigger businesses. And of course, you know, don't have the big, um, you know, IPOs or publicly traded stocks to help them facilitate, you know, generating, raising capital and and all of that stuff. And, and I think they continue to be uh, more pessimistic than the kind of bigger businesses at large. And, and I think, again, that may be, you know, kind of syncing up with some of the slower spending data, the less job openings data that all kind of point to an economy that isn't taking a huge step back, but just, um, you know, starting to plateau after some pretty robust growth coming out of the the pandemic. Let's talk a little bit about the housing market too, because, you know, there as, as rates really went up and we of course released the October data, uh -huh. um, you know, sales remain pretty, pretty depressed in the wake of, of those rates that, that jumped up at least in October. Now, the good news is the pending numbers haven't fallen off a cliff, but they were down, which suggests that November and December will probably be pretty light for transactions as well. Although we could get some new pendings as rates have come down uh, recently. What, what's the summary of, of California during October? Well, of course, you know, we, we saw sales, uh, as far as sales are concerned for the, at the state level, it dropped. It dropped by about, you know, 12%-ish or so on a year-over-year -year basis, and it dropped. And it inched up, actually, on a month-to-month -month basis by about 0.3%. 
Now, when right. you take things into consideration, um, the October numbers are pretty reflective of what's going on maybe about a few weeks ago. And right. you mentioned earlier that we actually saw uh, the interest rates continue to climb um, throughout the last, since maybe about July, June or so. And it, it, it's actually hit you know a high level, the highest level in October. But because of that, you know, increase in rates, it definitely affected sales. Plus the fact that, you know, we have, of course, sometimes seasonal changes, even though those numbers at the state level has been seasonally adjusted. Uh, we we have been seeing, you know, continue increase, uh, continue decline on a year over year basis. Um, right. At the same time, of course, uh, we continue to have very, very tight supply, you know, uh, issue. Now, we will yeah. talk a little bit more about that in a minute. And uh, tight supply means we don't, probably don't have enough uh, inventory for sale. That means, you know, the sales part is partly due to, you know, tight supply. But that also means uh, we have some upward support on prices. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, it's it's easy to be hyper fixated on the effect of higher rates on buyers, right? Because it's a pocketbook issue. How much mortgage can I qualify for? How much can I afford to pay for a home on that basis and all the rest? But again, we've talked at ad nauseum, it seems like at this point about just how locked in homeowners mm -hmm. are by those super low rates. And last month was, you know, the fourth month in a row where prices were rising on a year-to-year -year basis. So even with, um, you know, rates that are as high as they were in October when they were in excess of 8%, it was still mostly a supply-driven show and why um, we saw those prices continue to rise year over year. Now, we are in the midst of that normal seasonal lull where there's less activity and we don't seasonally adjust home prices. So they were down on a month-to-month -month basis and will probably remain lower over the next couple of months than they were during the spring home buying season, obviously. Mm -hmm. But that's a normal pattern that we see almost every year without fail and, and more reflective of just that seasonal pattern. But I think um, those year-to-year -year gains that continue and actually have been accelerating is just really symptomatic of how tight supply is, although it's not entirely supply because we have been seeing the top end of the market kind of still punching above its weight too. And, and because of how we calculate prices, that probably factors in as well. Yeah, those uh, change in a mix of sales definitely have an impact. I would say maybe about 50%. I'm just, you know, thinking out loud, maybe 50% of the growth is due to, you know, that uh, supply, uh, tightened supply issues, and the other 50% could possibly be due to mix of sales. But, you know, regardless, we still are seeing some upward uh, pressure uh, due to tight supply. So, you know, forget about, you know, the the market crash on, on price. We're not going to see that. Yeah. Um, we continue to see some growth. Uh, and uh, it's a good direction uh, moving into 2024 because that means we probably will continue to have a little bit more support in terms of uh, uh, price. But the other part of it is that means we probably are going to see at least, you know, maybe another six months or a year of very tight supply due to the fact, partly due to the fact that, you know, interest rate remain high. And of course, uh, there are other issues as well. Yeah. And, and what's you know, kind of amazing to think about is that even as sales have contracted 
so much, our unsold inventory index is actually still going down, even with fewer transactions. And and again, that's why at least uh, you know at least part of this price growth is due to honest to goodness excess demand, even again at these high rates, because we're still below um, three months of supply, I believe, which is very tight, even by the yeah, standard yeah. of the last you know decade, where we were you know kind of happy to be up above. Um, those those numbers and and again when you look at the active listings they're dropping on a on a year-to-year -year basis the amount of homes that we're putting back onto the MLS to replenish even this relatively depressed level of transactions is still dropping in fact I look back over like the last five years and I think we put fewer homes on the market in October than we have in any October going back at least the last uh, handful of years, including when the economy was totally shut down. So just very, very tight supply. And, and although that supports home prices, it's not the best news from the standpoint of home ownership and housing affordability. Yeah, it really depends on the perspective of you know, whose perspective you're taking. Buyers, obviously, uh, they're struggling a little bit. Uh, many of them still want to buy, but you know the high interest rates and prices remain elevated. Uh, cost the housing affordability, which is the percent of households who can afford to buy a median price home, dropping down to 15%. And that's the lowest level that we have seen since uh, 20, uh, 2007. Um, and that, you know, put a lot of that push, you know, could cost of borrowing up to a pretty significant level. I think uh, in some areas we're seeing uh, even like in the Bay Area, for example, uh, the uh, salary required to buy a median price home uh, close to like 400,000 or so. Um, and that's significant. I think at the state level, maybe about 250,000-ish or so. I don't have the right number right in front of me, but uh, that's a very significant uh, income level in order to qualify for a median price home. Yeah, right. And you're talking about just hanging the the kind of housing market on a thinner and thinner slice of the overall population base that can actually still uh, afford these very high prices. It also potentially opens us up to some risk in a kind of all bets are off economy because those prices now are have really decoupled from what folks can actually afford with fewer and fewer folks being able to afford, meaning um, you know, that that there's just again less support for these very high prices in an all bets are off kind of environment. The good news is I just pulled some data from the <laughs> National Mortgage Database and and actually the overwhelming majority of California homeowners have at least 20% equity. And if you do the kind of huh? back of the napkin calculations on, you know, what would it take for home prices to really make sense again with incomes, you know, there's enough equity there to absorb, I think, even a worst case scenario. So um, even if you get a, a forecast or if you get an outcome that's way more dire than what we're projecting, I think, you know, it still isn't really going to result in a lot of those defaults and foreclosures that some people were hoping were going to come in and save the day from an inventory standpoint or bring um, prices down. So I think that's, you know, kind of uh, a positive from the standpoint of sustainability. But I think it just ultimately means that we're going to be in a very unaffordable environment for the foreseeable future, which is why, um, you know, the development side, I think, is going to become ever more important as as we move forward. And, um, you know, there's kind of been some really good news on new home sales. Builders mm -hmm. have been putting new homes onto the market and they have been going up, um, but they reversed course a little bit in October. 
Yeah, it looks like, you know, they, they do have uh, a little bit more positive news to report than the existing homes, even though, you know, in October, uh, they kind of pull back a little bit because of what we said earlier, the interest rates being high. But if you look at new home sales, uh, people who were not able to find existing homes for uh, on sale uh, for sales, they moved to new home sales, it looks like on a year, year on a uh month-to-month uh, -month basis, yes, we did a, a decline of, you know, 5.6% on a month-to-month -month basis. But, you know, if you look at the um, the, uh, the the inventory side, look at the inventory, it actually has been at a more healthy level compared to the existing sales. You know, if you look at October inventory for new home sales, it actually uh, uh, was at a 7.8 months as compared to uh, the uh, existing maybe at about you know three months or four months or so, and if you compare that uh, to the historical trend of new home sales, uh, the historical average is five point nine months. So, you know, new homes. That's why a lot of people are turning their attention to new homes, the new housing development market, and it probably will continue to be you know one of the bright side on the new home in the housing market. It's just that of course uh, we have to all wait for the interest rates to kind of calm down a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we have seen new construction hold steady, even as, you know, those builders are kind of more skeptical about the future and all of that stuff. But, um, you know, it, it's just kind of questionable how much of that stuff's actually happening in California. But, you know, certainly this is also a, a nationwide issue. A lot of the, the stuff that we've seen has been happening on the single family side, which uh -huh. is good. Right. When and ultimately, I think, you know, we want to see construction of all kinds, but but it's good to see those single family numbers kind of leading the charge. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, it looks like builders continue to have a bit of confidence, um, maybe not, you know, in the very, very near term, but going into 2024, they do feel they still show that, you know, they are uh, somewhat optimistic, especially on the uh, single family side, the multifamily side. I think it is a little saturated uh, in the last uh, 12 months or so. Uh, that's why, you know, we're seeing fewer uh, development in that area. But hey, we welcome all kind of development and single family. If we have more single family, that's what we have been advocating. More family homes, single family homes being built. Uh, yeah. But obviously, I don't think it's going to be every, not everything is going to be resolved in one year in 2024. So I think we still have to be a bit more patient. Yeah, we've got a long road. Oh, it's interesting. I was talking to some developers yesterday about condo stuff and just, you know, it's it's when you look at the price differential, it used to be the affordable way to get into the housing market, right? Was you go get a condo relatively affordable, but, you know, the differential between a condo price and a single family isn't that high. And and when you look at the the HOAs and just how high they've been going with the insurance issues, with all these retrofitting assessments that get slapped on them and all of these things, it's really kind of negating some of that uh, affordability advantage that condos used to offer. And, and I think True. maybe that's what's bolstering those single family numbers. I'm really curious to see how this insurance crisis that we're going through plays out, uh, you know, at the individual homeowner level. And I've kind of cried about my own personal <laughs> insurance issues, but I think, you know, the, the condos and the HOAs are going to be facing it probably uh, even more acutely and, and something we'll have to keep an eye on. But for now, at least those permit numbers uh, continue to move up and that's just, what the doctor ordered, because again, almost everything that we talked through today 
um, came back in one way or another to a lack of housing supply out there. Mm -hmm. and, and so it is good to see that. Of course, the, the data that's going to be pouring in over the next couple of weeks is going to be pretty quiet. It seems like most of the government agencies and big data releases are behind us until we get through to January, but we'll probably put up another podcast before the end of the year just to check in and we should have some good content and, and updates for you all through next year. So I think we should go ahead and leave it here for now and then just circle back once we hear what the Fed has to say uh, in a few weeks. Absolutely. And then, of course, we after the Fed, we'll, we'll have some news regarding our November sales as well. So we'll put that in, you know, in our next uh, podcast. Uh, do you think we've covered pretty much everything, Jordan? I think so. You did a great job. I so appreciate all of your <laughs> Thank insights you. and sharing this with our members. We're very lucky to have you and I'm very lucky to work with you. And so I, I appreciate the opportunity to collaborate, nerd out on the data. And hopefully we help to kind of demystify some of these different competing releases that have been coming down the pike over the last couple of weeks and finally deliver some good news on rates for a change. So let's I leave know. it there. And then... Uh, well, we don't, I guess, have to wish everybody happy holidays now because we will be back again. But just <laughs> in case, thank you all for, um, you know, supporting us and we'll see you on the next one. See you next time.